I thought Tony was a brilliant actor in films like The Sweet Smell of Success, Trapeze, The Boston Strangler, and, of course, he showed his comedic skills in Some Like It Hot, in which he based his English accent on Cary Grant. Incidentally, when director Billy Wilder later told Cary, he said, But I don't talk like that, in exactly the same way in which Tony had taken him off. Tony had worked with an impressive roster of directors, and while he rarely spoke ill of anyone, he did tell me he had a tough time on Spartacus with director Stanley Kubrick. The whole cast had endured an agonizingly long shoot, and one day Tony turned to co-star Gene Simmons and asked, "'Who do you have to fuck to get off this picture?' As part of the package of luring Tony to make a TV series, Lou Grade bought him a house in Chester Square in London's fashionable Belgravia for an astonishing £49,000, and it was Tony's to keep. A few years later he sold it for £250,000 and thought he'd made a pretty good deal, but a couple of years after that, when he returned to England and looked at buying a similar property, he discovered the asking price was nearer £2 million. Throughout the fifteen-month shoot, or at least most of it, Tony's wife Leslie was pregnant. She was already well endowed, but was now even more ample of bosom. Tony had always been what you'd call a boob man, and so he liked Leslie to wear low-cut dresses that exposed as much as possible. One evening I was at his house for a party, and as his wife walked into the room, Tony said to the assembled throng, "'Look at my darling Leslie.' Doesn't she have the most wonderful tits? In between setups one day on set, Tony said, Dear sweet Roger, Bert Lancaster once told me that if you're in your dressing room at the studio with a young lady and your wife should walk in, continue with what you're doing and when you get home, deny it and say, But they have people who look like me. I was never tempted into such a situation, though a year or two later I found myself filming in South Africa, and in one scene my character was to bed a rather attractive young lady in her apartment, demonstrating his bond-like masculinity, no doubt, and in a very thick Afrikaans accent the young actress said to me, I really wish there weren't all these people around, referring, of course, to the crew. Oh, why? I asked innocently. Because I could show you a really good time. I thought about Tony's words for a split second, but that thought soon turned to my then-Italian wife, who was sitting downstairs and who knew my stunt double was off that day. The Persuaders was scheduled for a twelve-month shoot, but ended up taking fifteen. You see, not only did Tony like to wander off script and improvise on occasions, meaning we found ourselves taking a little longer to shoot a particular sequence, he had a total aversion to overtime. The British trade unions were all powerful at this time, and the ACTT, Association of Cinematograph Television and Allied Technicians, had very strict rules about working hours, with the only exception being you could call the quarter an extra fifteen minutes if the red shooting light was on at 5.30pm and you needed to finish a certain scene. Tony got wise to this and would never start a scene after 5.15pm. We also found it particularly difficult to persuade him to come in for looping. 
This is the process undertaken at the end of all movies to make sure the soundtrack is consistent in each scene or to add music. But why do we need to do it? Tony, a veteran of twenty years in movies, asked. Tony, in the last setup in the gardens, there was a close-up of me talking, and then it cut to you, but an aeroplane was flying over at that point, so when we edit it together it'll go from no background noise on me to noise on you to no noise on me again. We need to re-record your dialogue, I explained. Audiences are sophisticated, he replied in all seriousness. They understand these things. Knowing he didn't want to stay back after 5.30 p.m., when it was usual to loop any such scenes, I suggested we might do it during our lunchtime for half an hour. Okay, okay, he conceded, but I want champagne and smoked salmon in the theatre. The next day he arrived at the theatre in Pinewood, and a few moments later Johnny Goodman, our associate producer,